0: This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your
1: host, Roger Brooks.
0: I love how you mesh leadership with music. Talk a little bit about that. How how does one overlap the other in in your world?
1: When it comes to, to leadership, you know, the ability to connect with people is, is what I've always been as a, as a natural sense for me. Um, music was one of those things where I realized that there was this connection, that no matter no matter where I moved or where I went, there were people that enjoyed certain types of music, certain genres of music, and so that was one connection point that I was able to make very quickly, no matter if I was a new guy or not. You know, there's so many connection points you can have with people that if you start there, it, make, it becomes a lot easier uh, to find common ground and trying to do the best work of our lives, trying to align each other on making sure that we both show up uh, at the, to the best of our ability.
0: What if you had a dream or desire to write your first book. You could finally share your story or express your views about a topic or subject you are passionate about. And what if 2020 became the year your dream became a reality. Turn a new chapter in your life, literally. Join me for a live webinar where I'll share my 10-step program for writing a best-selling book. Register now. Seats are limited. Don't miss it. I believe in you. Your best-selling book is waiting to be written. Don't let another week slip by. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Lorenzo Flores. You are an author, people leader, and host of top 10 management podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Lorenzo, thanks for joining us today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to our conversation today.
0: I'm really excited about this one because uh, we, we share a lot in common. Uh, we're both authors, we're both podcasters. And I guess the, the main difference between you and I is that you're in sunny Florida and I'm <laughs> here in still cold New York State. So um, it seems like we have a lot in common. And, and again, thanks for joining.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I I grew up in Michigan in the Midwest, so I'm very uh, comfortable in the cold. And when I could get old enough to get away from the snow, I ran away and I've been in the South, all parts of the country ever since then.
0: (laughs) Well, you're smart. And what's it like living in that city that has so much tourism all year round?
1: Yeah, it, it's actually, uh, it's a lot of fun. Obviously, there's the entertainment value of being in a place where you can pretty much do anything. Uh, but I think from a, uh, from a family standpoint, you know, amazing schools, amazing area, a lot of new, you know, growth and development outside of the city. And then from a career standpoint, there is a ton of movement now into Orlando in regards to uh all aspects of jobs because these major entertainment industries now you have hospitality now you've got restaurants you've got shopping you've got retail uh and now these uh these, these large companies universal and disney um are bringing in you know app developers and technology jobs and things so we're starting to see a a lot of young growth here in Orlando in the tech space specifically a lot of incubators for small businesses so it's a, it's a really cool time to be here uh is, the, the parks are amazing but there's so much more to love about Orlando outside of the parks
0: So how often do you go to the parks?
1: Uh, I would say at least a couple times a month. I've got a a four-year-old and a three-year-old, two little girls. And uh, so they believe that they are full-on princesses and that we are going to their castle. uh, And they love it. So I'm there quite often for my girls. (laughs) That is great.
0: And you recently put up a post that talked about uh, mixing passion, persistence, and purpose. I love those three words. Can you talk about that a little bit and what that means to you?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Recently, uh, I was highlighted in the Orange Observer here, kind of the local newspaper, uh, for the podcast, and they highlight people that are, you know, within the Winter Garden, kind of Orlando area. And when I got the physical paper, it just immediately flashed back to many, many years ago uh, as a college radio DJ and a nightclub DJ. I was in the newspaper quite often for uh, for radio shows, for nightclubs, for for events that we had going on. And it made me think about the fact that, you know, Having been really with my passion of loving music and loving sharing uh, my creativity and, and helping to bring joy to people, I found that love in both music and I found it in leadership. And then really consistently just being persistent with it and really. Knowing that no matter what it is, if it's a passion for you, find a way to do it. Find a way to be involved, uh, whatever that might look like. And then always have a purpose, your why. You know, what is it that you want to do from an impact standpoint? And, again, I've just always loved having a a positive influence on people. I've loved to see whether, again, if I'm a DJ in a club or on the radio – Playing a mixture of songs that that brings people emotionally back to a place in time when they heard that song and it connects to them to now, when it comes to leadership, being able to provide content and experience and mistakes and successes where somebody says you know what i 'm not alone i 'm also a leader and i 've made that mistake or i 've been thinking about that thing, and, and i 'm not going to do that now because I heard these guys talk about their trials and tribulations of doing something that I was thinking about doing, so it just really hit home for me when I took that picture and I posted it of you know, these newspaper articles from 20 years ago, plus, and then the one that just came out last week, it was kind of a, a full circle moment for me.
0: That's so awesome. And if you can take us back to your younger years uh, in Michigan, I would assume is where you began your love for for music and DJing. What was the era like? Then? What kind of music uh, did, you, did you enjoy and then play on the radio?
1: Absolutely. So I started, I've always had a love for music. And uh, my, my father who raised me, he had eclectic uh, music taste. He, he was a Vietnam vet and he listened to everything from Ravi Shankar sitar to Van Halen, to Metallica, uh, to even LL Cool J. So he just had this amazing music that was always playing in the house. My, my mom was a, a Genesis Phil Collins fan and heart fan. So every time I came home, there was always music playing and my dad got this gigantic at the time JVC, you know, CD player that was brand new, and you know the turntables, and so I just grew up with this love for music. Started playing saxophone in fifth grade, had a love for jazz and blues, uh, and then I got into my high school and my college years, and that's really where I found this connection specifically with hip hop. And so uh, I grew up in what I believe to be the the golden decade of hip hop, which was the 90s, where where you really had uh, amazing music from all over the country and every. You know, every region of the country had a certain sound to it. And you could tell immediately based on the music, uh, the, the, the way people were, were rapping or the lyrics, where they were from. And so I, uh, I, I, really took on to vinyl DJing. I, you can see kind of in my background here, I have everything from my top five MCs to a, a George Clinton record that he signed to D-Lite to a, a rock guitar <laughs> from, uh, from my friends that are into to rock music. So, I just, uh, music has always been a thing for me, and I've always loved it. And uh, so for me, 90s hip-hop, vinyl, if, if, you, if we talk about it, I could take you down a rabbit hole of anything 90s hip-hop related.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's so awesome. I could relate. I grew up a bit before you, but definitely 90s was one of those eras that um, really stands out as being the golden age, especially for, for hip-hop. And uh, I love how you mesh leadership with music. Mm-hmm. That are really unique, um, but not too unique because I actually just interviewed another gentleman, Matt Gannon, and oh, okay. he talked about the very same thing. He's out of uh, Austin, Texas area, and yep. he's a big music lover, and, and he talked about meshing those two things. and Talk a little bit about that. How, how does one overlap the other in, in your world?
1: Sure. Well, I think when it comes to to leadership, you know, the ability to connect with people is, is what I've always been as a as a natural sense for me. I I moved in my youth about every four years of my life, and they were big moves. They were you know different schools, different cities, different areas, and so you know at the time it was very painful because it, it 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 does it's not fun to be the new kid, and and learning people and different types of things. And I moved all over the state of Michigan, um, but what I did learn was that we're more alike than we are different, and. Um, music was one of those things where I realized that there was this connection that no matter no matter where I moved or where I went, there were people that enjoyed certain types of music, certain genres of music. And so that was one connection point that I was able to make very quickly, no matter if I was a new guy or not. And so as I learned about that and I learned that you could connect over certain things um, as I kind of grew into leadership roles and, you know, had my first job at McDonald's and then I worked at Rite Aid and you kind of had my entire career in customer service and retail. Uh, I found it that that connection with people and building relationships and finding elements where you can then have a conversation, a dialogue about who you are as a person and, and what you're passionate about and what you love led to then this element of building trust. Where now, because I know you and because we can connect on something, we can now talk about work in a very different way. And I can talk about expectations in a very different way. And so for me, music was that thing that really helped me to understand that there are connections you can make with people um, outside of music, whether it's being parents, uh, whether it's it's other types of hobbies, uh, whether it's what city you're from. Or, or, you know, there's so many connection points you can have with people that if you start there, it it becomes a lot easier uh, to find common ground in trying to do the best work of our lives, try to align each other on making sure that we both show up uh, at the, to the best of our ability, whether I'm your manager, I'm your peer, or I work for you. So that's kind of, for me, how those two really overlap.
0: That's, again, just amazing. And this world is so small. I mean, I get the chills if you're talking because uh, we connected on LinkedIn. It seems to be the place that's just blowing up for people in a wonderful way. And uh, today's episode that launched was a gentleman, Yoram Solomon, and uh, it was called The Importance of Trustfulness. Nice. (laughs) You just talked about trust, and his whole platform is based around trust. Mm -hmm. We talked about, you know, even on LinkedIn, who do you know who to trust, who not to trust? And here you are bringing that into your world from all of your experience. It just led to that one word, which was trust. So how important is trust in your family life, work life, and with your friends?
1: Uh, I, trust is everything. I mean, you know, being your authentic self uh, is is a big piece of that. You, you want, people want consistency in life. If, if you're, you know, if, if you have a partner, that partner wants to count on you for certain things in life. They want you to be consistent. They want to know that how you react to certain situations. They want to know that you're aligned on life's goals on parenting um, on both, you know, supporting each other personally and and professionally, that type of thing. When it comes to friendship, same thing. Uh You want to be able to call on somebody and and know that they're going to be honest with you and know that they're going to have your best interests in mind and know that they're going to sometimes challenge you and push back on you and tell you that you're being an idiot. You're not listening. You're, you're, you're making bad choices right then and, and it may be painful in the moment, but but you know you can go to those people, and then I think in the in, in the professional world, and specifically leadership, you know, trust is everything. If, if you're going to ask people to to challenge themselves, to, to 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 take calculated risks, to to be vulnerable enough to say, hey, I really want to do a good job here, but I don't know what I'm doing, or I'm really struggling with this, or you know how I said I could do this job. The reality is like, I'm having a hard time doing this job. If you want people to be that vulnerable with you, you have to be just as vulnerable with them. And, and when you admit mistakes and you stand up in front of a team of people and say things like, hey, first and foremost, let me tell you, I'm sorry. I apologize. You know, we, we dropped the ball here. We, we didn't do this the way in which we were supposed to do this or to what we know our potential is. But, like, if I'm the leader, if I am the one who is kind of, you know, uh, accountable for this entire thing, I own it and, and and this is my mistake and I'm going to take this thing, but I want to know what can we do to dig beyond this? What can we do to fix this? What do you need for me as your leader uh, for us to get better here? And if you do that on uh, a one-to-one basis or in a larger group setting, that is the type of, of vulnerability and authenticity that really makes that trusting element where now your people will, will go to you and be the same exact way. So for me, it's just one of those foundational elements that I think you have to have as a person. Um, I also believe that, you know, trust isn't earned. It's, it's really, it's dis-earned. So what I mean by that is either you trust somebody, you give trust, um, or you, or you hold trust right at the gate. If, if you and I talk, I'm just, hey, I, I trust you. I trust you to have this interview. I trust you to, you know, ask me great questions that will allow me a, a platform to express my feelings and, and what I believe and hopefully build more connections and listeners, that type of thing. Um, or I don't trust you, right? and, and, and so if I trust you, we can live in that same space until you do something in which i say hey wait a minute now um maybe there's something here that we need to talk about and discuss so for for me it really is everything and i think that if you can if you can be in that space and and really establish great trust with people uh that i think your connections and i think your your personal brand uh we know when you're not around and what people say is really the most impactful thing of, of how you can make sure that your legacy is out there
0: and for people that may have stumbled and we all do it um mm-hmm. make a mistake uh, apologize but how do you rebuild trust what are some of the keys from a leadership standpoint that you look for mm-hmm. and for those who may be wanting to you know make a better impression on on their on their leaders mentors if they did make a mistake how do you yep. rebuild
1: uh, first and foremost, I'll tell you we we all do it. There's no perfect leader. Uh, I, you know I've been doing this for a couple of decades now, and I I feel relatively confident in my leadership capabilities. But I screw things up all the time. And 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 what you want to do as a leader is is say that out loud. Tell people that you did. Own it. Own the mistake. You know, say, look, I messed this up. This is my fault, right? It literally just happened the other day. You know, uh, with my wife, where we had friends that were coming from out of town. That months ago, my friend said, hey. We're going to be flying out of Orlando and we'd like to get a couple hours with you guys and the kids can hang out before we fly out. And, uh, you know, and he said, and I'll follow up with you that week to finalize the plans. And I said, great. And I clicked it as he'll follow up with me that week. No big deal. Well, he followed up with me the day before. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then he reminded me and I said, man, I screwed this up. And I went to my wife and said, Hey, I'm sorry. I messed this up. You know, like I know we had made some plans. You had made some plans there in town we want to see them. They want to see us. I'm going to cancel the thing I have going on so that you can change the thing you have going on so we can spend this time together. But I have to own it and say, I'm sorry. And, and it's my mistake. And let me now do something to make it right. And I think as leaders, you 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 don't just own it, say so that you're sorry. You then ask them what you can do to make it right. And then go do those things and then follow back up on those things. It can be really easy to just say. And a lot of times in the element of leadership, there's this hierarchy that happens where when you're the boss of the leader and you make a mistake, people say, hey, I understand, no big deal, I forgive you. You say, what can I do? You say, you know what, Just next time just just make sure you communicate. And then you say, cool, check, and you walk away. Um, you never go back and say, hey, how am I doing at communicating? Roger, I, I know I screwed up last time. Am I getting better at communicating? I don't want that to happen again. When you follow back up. It, it helps your people to understand that you're serious about fixing the mistake and you're putting you know, forward actions to not have it happen again.
0: Oh, those are some wonderful qualities, wonderful qualities. You uh, call yourself a people leader. I never heard that expression before. I really <laughs> like it. What does that mean to you, Lorenzo? Uh,
1: remembering that we work in service of our people. Uh, when, when you say that you want to be a manager or a leader that's within your title, what you're really doing is you're raising your hand and you're saying, I want to be directly accountable for the development of other people. That's actually what the job is. Um, there's a lot of things that go into how you measure success. There's a lot of responsibilities in regards to results and numbers and strategies and execution, all these things that come with it. But when you are directly responsible for the development of people and you're accountable to that, you really work for them. So as a people leader, you know, I, I, I like saying that. It's, it's aligned somewhat in the idea of a servant leader. Uh, but I think people also get that wrong quite often. So when I say people leader, it's like I am here to lead my people. That means how I show up for them every day will be based upon what they need from me. That means how I provide them with, with coaching, how I provide them with recognition, how I provide them with, with feedback or negative specific, you know, uh, examples. It is how they want it. And it's delivered in a way that is, is helpful to them to become inspired, motivated, and more effective at what they're doing. So I say people leader because that's what I truly believe these roles are. And, and if you work in service of your people, you understand that you should always be evolving and adjusting, not how you like to do things, but how they need you to show up for them.
0: Fantastic. Let's talk about your writing. When did you start writing and what do you like to write about?
1: Um, I, I read a lot of emails. I've been doing a lot of emails for a really long time, <laughs> mostly by force, not because I want to. And uh, about oh man, I would I would say about seven eight years ago now, um, I started to jot down some ideas. I saw I saw some common themes in how I was talking to people and in examples that I was giving to them when I would when I would talk about. They would say, you know, what type of leader are you, and and how do you see leadership, and and how do I How do I maybe uh, address these situations? And I found myself talking about kind of the same three things in different types of ways. Well, I ended up having uh, a friendship with somebody who was a consultant, and as we sat down, she was asking me, you know, how do you approach this work? Because what I'm seeing, and and how you kind of have this balance of, of your people, and of the strategies of an organization, and then of, you know, increasing the results that you're responsible for, I see that you have this intentful approach to that, and and what is that approach and so i walked her through it and I was like, well, for me, it starts with the vision and, you know, people have to know why they do what you're asking them to do. They have to understand what the vision is and how you make a, a larger vision local. So if you work for an organization, how do you bring the thing that that are values to the organization locally to your people? And then the second thing is, are people clear? It's it's kind of clarity. Are people clear on what the, what the job expectations are? Are they clear on what you expect from them? But also, are they also clear about what they should expect from you as their leader? Uh, and then the third thing was around support. How do you not just say you support people, but actually support people based on what they need? Sometimes that means observing things and approaching them. Sometimes that means, you know, listening to what they're telling you they need. And even if you're not good at it as a leader, adjusting your style to help them out. So it kind of landed in this vision, clarity, support is my three pillars of leadership. Um, I started to write and I realized I was horrible at writing because I edited as I would write. (laughs) I was so used to sending emails that I would write something. I'm like, that's good, but let me change this. I could say that better. And I was horrible at it. And so I I got a a friend of mine named Jamie, and she is an author, and she did a lot of uh, fictional writing, and she really helped me get all of my ideas out and organize them. And so I kind of did this pseudo-writing thing where I had all these questions, and I would record my voice. Clearly, comfortable recording and comfortable talking. And so I would answer these questions in the same type of format. We would then transcribe all of it, and then we would organize my thoughts in a way that made more sense from a writing standpoint. So for me, um, I, I I cannot tell you that I'm a great writer, but I've learned how to take my words and put them into a book. And so I get to say that I'm an author because I, I put it on pages and it's published and out there. Uh, but that's where, that's where it all was. And, and my book was about vision, clarity, and support, you know, the, the three pillars of my leadership platform.
0: And what's the name, the title of your book, so people could look for it? Yep,
1: I have one right here. It's, it's the Leadership Crash Course on the Three Pillars of Success, and that's uh, what is Vision, Clarity, and Support. And I've got it um, as an ebook. I have it as an audio book, and I have it um, as a printable book as well.
0: Fantastic! And we'll we'll publish the link as well, so people could click right on it. So awesome. look, I love how you got creative. You're obviously a wonderful communicator, mm-hmm. and you worked with someone who helped you figure this out, but. You're able to talk, transcribe what you said, and then and then and then I guess edit that until it was in a form that was uh, at at you know where you wanted it. Mm-hmm. But is that something that you think others can do?
1: Absolutely, you know? I, yeah. I think that you know getting your thoughts out and your ideas out um, is 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 critical for two reasons. Number one, um, it helps you to work through maybe the places where you're hitting hurdles or you're. You know, it's like, it's like when you have a really good friend and you talk to them about your idea and then you answer your own question and they just sit there and they nod their head and you're like, oh oh yeah, that's right. You know, just getting it out, no matter what the format is, if it's writing, then write. If if it's journaling, then journal. If it's talking, then talk. And it doesn't have to be a podcast. You can record yourself on your phone, which is what I did to help write my book, but get your thoughts and your ideas out to be able to go back and either read them or listen to them again in the future. And then I think, when you get those ideas out, which is why I believe that podcasting, video blogging, these things are so popular right now. And I'm a sucker for like reaction videos. I love watching other people watch other people's stuff and then react to it. I don't know what it is. I think it's funny. It's great to see natural, visceral reactions of people because I have the same reactions and I get to relate to them when they do it. And I think it's the same thing with content. If you get your ideas out there, many times people will hear or read it or see that and say, man, that's exactly how I feel, but I wasn't able to say it that way. You know, you, you're, you're stating things that people have in their head and it helps them to work through maybe what they're working on. So I, I just think it's therapeutic for yourself, but it's also very helpful in connecting other people to, to maybe ideas that they haven't yet completely formulized yet.
0: Yes. And our, our listeners are going to love this conversation. And I know, Several of them are probably thinking, "Geez, you know, I'm I'm too timid. I, I wouldn't be a good <laughs> podcaster. I don't know how to." So, what what advice would you have for people that? I mean, I know what I would say. I would. I, would, I want to see if you're going to say the same thing. If yep. people have been invited onto a podcast and they they haven't accepted, they're they're just too timid. What do you advise?
1: You got to do it. You got to step out there and do it. You know what I mean? And like, look, it's it's uh, it, video for me is weird right? Because I I was radio, I was a DJ, I do podcasting. And so doing anything video related is super weird for me because I'm just not used to being in front of a camera. Well, that's not optional anymore, right? People want to consume media in a video. They want to see your face. They want to, you know, see your reactions. They want to feel the emotion of what you say. And I've had a lot of my friends challenge me on that. And now they put me in front of cameras and do things like this. So you just got to go do it. And, and, and is it going to probably suck the first time? Yes. And you look back and roll your eyes and be like, man, I can't believe, I like what was I? But once you start getting into the rhythm and the cadence of making it happen, it gets more and more comfortable. And you start to get really comfortable looking at a camera. And uh, it it is weird. And and we all go through it. And there's anxiety and there's nervousness. And you want to be great, but with all things, until you actually get some chops and some practice in, you have no chance of getting better until you start doing it.
0: And isn't it wonderful that most podcasts like this is not scripted, right? We're just yeah. we're just talking, yeah. great conversation. One idea goes into the other, and like anything, you you, you kind of get better at, at it every time you do it. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. You know, we one one of the one of the um, reviews that we had one of our first reviews uh, on on iTunes was uh, a listener who to this day listens to the show, engages with us on social media, and she said, "Love your show. I'm giving you four stars." Can you, you guys say um and ah uh a lot, right? And so we thought about that. and Chris and I talked about it. and We were like, you know what? We listened back. We we're like, she's right. We say that a lot. And then we realized why we say it is because it's just a conversation and it's not scripted. And we are thinking in the moment and we're trying to gather our thoughts and we're, we're putting our words out there and we're stumbling across sometimes and we're repeating ourselves sometimes. And then a lot of the other feedback we got from people was we're like, but that's why we love it because it's it's the, the best description I heard about our show from a leadership standpoint was it feels like I'm walking by kind of the manager's office with the door open and I'm listening to leaders talk about things that leaders talk about that they don't normally do that in public, you know, anything from compensation and reviews and, you know, um, and, and just do your damn job. Like we say this stuff, we talk about it. And so people say they really appreciate that because they can tell, that it's not scripted, and, and there are scripted, amazing leadership shows that are out there that we are fans of, that we absolutely love, that we think are amazing, but this is the way that we do it, and we have seem to have struck a nerve in a lot of people being authentic and being in the moments, and, 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 and allowing them to see and hear how we think through and, and navigate these conversations.
0: And speaking of in the moment, two questions for you off of that. Number one, how important is it to be a good listener? And how important is it to be aware at all times? And, and I'm not even talking about podcasting. I'm talking in sure. general.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, you have to be a great listener. Uh, effective uh, effective listening is critical. It, it, people want to be heard, including yourself. And I think that, again, as, as I mentioned, the whole support thing is the third pillar of mine. That's what I think when, I, when it comes to listening. I'm supporting you best when I hear what you're saying. When, when I can also kind of maybe help read, read between the lines a little bit. And I'm asking questions uh, with intent to better understand where you're coming in from, what your perspective is, what what means something here, what are you trying to solve for? Like These are all things that if you're an effective listener, I'm, I'm listening with the intent of, of hearing you, not with the intent of responding. Um, and there's a lot of people that I still, you know, work with and coach. When even even um, positive affirmations that are vocal, people say, "Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, uh, yeah." When you do that, it makes it feel like you're trying to say something over top of me. So I'll just stop. And if I stop, you may be missing something that I'm trying to tell you. So uh, effective listening is it's critical to again building that trust. You know, I, I write things with a pen and paper. You know, uh, I have all the technology in the world. Everybody does. It's around us everywhere we go. It's really easy to type things. It looks, it looks nicer. It's more organized. You can do outlines and stuff. But when I sit down and I talk with somebody about something like their development or I'm in a, in a meeting and we're, we're, we're engaging in note taking, I write things with pen and paper because for me, when it comes to engagement and being in the moment, uh, and being aware of everything, it allows me to, to be more in the conversation. It's something where I go, that's a great point. Let me write that down. It takes a second for us to pause. I'm not typing away and tapping away while people are talking. And they don't know if I'm in an email or if I'm actually listening to what you're saying. Um, but that type of awareness as a leader is, is critical. And and if you spend enough time with those people to know again what they do consistently, you can see and sense the inconsistencies in their behavior or their dialogue or their questions, which then helps you to pause and say, Hey, wait a minute, like is there anything else going on here? Okay, like, this is this is not normally how we engage in conversation. So I sense that maybe there's something here that I'm not understanding or seeing. Like, what is that? Is everything all right? And, and when you're aware that way, again, it, it helps to open up the dialogue to to potentially help them with whatever it is they're working through, and it continues to build trust with them.
0: As a people leader, what would you say are some of the primary pitfalls that that individuals have? That um, you see, you know, on a regular basis,
1: the uh, the belief that as a leader you have to have all the answers, um, and uh, and that's that's a, that's a big one. A lot of times people come to, to their leader for help with something, and and leaders have a hard time saying, you know what, I have no idea, <laughs> or you know what, that's a that's a great question. I'm going to need a second to think about that. Um, it, to have that level of self awareness, um, and what some people would call humility um i see it more as a self-awareness element uh that that is that is a big thing that a lot of leaders have a hard time doing especially when you become new and role. um i think the second thing that a lot of leaders have is, is what i mentioned a little bit earlier which is if if i've had success in my job that's gotten to me gotten me to this point now where i'm the leader um there's this tendency to believe that the way that you did it is the best way to do it and that's not always the case. And, and it may have been effective, and may have gotten you the promotion where now you lead people that were doing the same job that you were doing. But if you live in this space where, like I got the promotion then equals the way that I did the job is the best way to do it. That, that is a hard pill to swallow and it will be really difficult for you to build engagement and trust within your team. Uh, because the reality is, once again, when you raise your hand and you take that leadership role, you work for your people. And so how they want to do the work is critical and having them feel empowered that you believe in them and that you're there to help guide them is actually the thing that really truly builds culture and confidence uh, across all the team members.
0: Lorenzo, you are so good. And I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Can, we're helping a lot of people. You're helping a lot of people today <laughs> by being, and I'm learning. So I, I love these conversations so much. Um, let's talk about your love of podcasting. <laughs> yeah
1: it's uh okay oh, I was just going to say when when did you start, and
0: how did it all come together
1: yeah, so as I mentioned earlier i was I was in radio and I did college radio for a long time and just really enjoyed this medium of just talking you know into a microphone and, and into an audience that doesn't exist, sharing feelings and then letting people engage with you and so in radio, it was really cool because they would call the the station. And you know, the lines would light up and you could answer and they'd want to hear a song or they'd say great mix or you know, this was this was in the you know, this is ninety six, ninety-seven, all the way through to two thousand one. So it wasn't like you had this real time internet engagement. There wasn't really social media for people to say, I'm listening to the show. It was really phone calls and then what you would hear throughout the week about people that you ran into with the show. And so I, but I just loved the medium of, of audio and I was kind of an audiophile and I've enjoyed music and so when, when I I turned 40 a couple of years ago and I said, you know, I want to get back into some type of audio passion and maybe it's internet radio. Maybe I call a local radio station. Maybe I get back into DJing. Um, I don't know what I want to do. I started asking some friends and I said, you know, podcasting, I, I enjoy podcasts myself. I think this is the thing for me. I spent nine months doing a ton of research, uh, about, you know, what are the best podcasts? Why are they the best podcasts? What do people enjoy about them? What are the things that people do in their shows that people appreciate? And started to kind of formulate what I wanted to do, and then uh, got it out there. And, and you know, the the first episode I recorded with uh, a really good friend of mine, uh, Christian Abraham, sent on my Life of Lozo podcast, and we got done with the first episode, and it just felt like I hadn't stopped doing it for twenty years. Like it just felt I was right back into what I did, and he had a great time. It was, it was a, a fantastically fun episode and everybody said man like you just felt like you do this all the time and so i knew it was the right medium for me so uh so i absolutely love it uh i love the fact that you can multitask while you're listening to podcasts you know um that you can Drop an earpod in. Go walk the dogs. Listen. Enjoy. Do something else. You know, I, I can make the, my lunches for my girls while I have an airpod in early in the morning. My wife listens to her crime podcasts, You know, while she's sitting on the couch doing something on her iPad. So, I just love the fact that you can consume media while also doing other things. And I think that it will continue to be a, a massive platform for a lot of people.
0: That's so cool. And again, I, you know, I have so many of these conversations. I had the opportunity to interview Lauren Everts Bostick out of LA. She started the skinny confidential.
1: Oh and yeah. She yeah. said
0: the exact same thing. She said, you know, the reason I love podcasting so much is people could multitask. They could, mm-hmm. they could go to the gym, they could walk the dogs. And, and it's so true. It's, it's one of those mediums where, um, you know, it's now becoming part of our lifestyles. Those of us that, that listen, and uh, to be part of it on the other side, it's mm-hmm. such an honor and a privilege to be able to do what we do. Um, and again, for those people who are thinking about it, because I, I love helping people just get past themselves and get out of their comfort zone. Yep. What advice do you have for those people? I know you said just yeah. do it before, <laughs> but if they're really thinking about yep. podcasting, you did a lot of research. I did a lot of research as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's not as hard as it used to be, even a couple of years ago, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so much easier now. You know, I, obviously, you can see I've got you know professional podcasting gear. Um, I'm a little bit over the top, but it's also because I'm a DJ and I love gear, so I'm kind of a gearhead anyway. Uh, but I th- there's elements of my podcast where I literally bought one of those microphones that plugs into the bottom of your phone and it clips on your shirt, and uh, I would drive in my car, and and for a while I was doing these long drives, and I would just clip the microphone on. And I would listen to songs and I would talk about the songs while I was, you know, like, and so I was like doing these podcasts while I was driving my car and, and, and I, I so much enjoyed that. And the funny thing was that the feedback from people that listened to those shows was like, it, it's, it's great. Like it's great to just know that you're in your car driving and you can hear your, you know, you can hear your blinker and like all these things and you're enjoying music. And so I share that because the quality is completely subpar to what you and I are doing right now. And, and I think, I also think like with Gary Vaynerchuk of the world, that if you, if you, if you're a follower of, of a lot of his media and his content, his podcast, he might have a microphone on, he might not. And if he does, he's the only guy in the room that's got one on. So it's sometimes it's hard to listen to his podcast because you can barely hear the other person. Uh, but the point is it's about the content. So, you know, even if, uh, so I'll give you an example. Let's say that, you're really into like Star Wars and and you want to do a podcast about Star Wars. There's a lot of people that do them and you're like, I just, I love it. I want to talk about it. I want to be with that tribe of people. Here's what I would suggest. Um, Take out your phone and record yourself for a minute, talking about some element of Star Wars or why you love this character or what your thought is with that. And then go onto that Facebook group and just post that audio. And just say, hey, check this out. This is my one-minute thought on this character on Star Wars. What do you guys think? Let people hear it and then respond to it. That is the precursor to maybe you wanting to get into podcasting. Get comfortable with your voice. Get comfortable sharing in the audio format. Um, use the voice when you send people messages on your phone. That's an option that people have now. You can record audio. So instead of typing away in a text message, just hit the record button and say, Hey Roger, what's going on, man? Hey, we're gonna go to the movies at three o'clock today. Like, I'll see you there, and then send it as audio. Get get used to doing those things, and let people be like, dude, why don't you just text me? You be like, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get used to my voice. Like, let me do my thing, right? Just get used to recording yourself. And again, I think the more that you do those little things, uh, the easier it becomes to then sit down and really put some content out there. Uh, but it's it's free it's free to put out a podcast. There are so many platforms that you can just put your stuff out there and then you learn a couple of tricks. You can go and YouTube, how to connect your RSS feed and there's your show. It's now on Apple podcast. It's amazing. It's, it's very, it's very cool. It's very exciting. Um, I'm in a whole bunch of different podcast groups on Facebook and I love watching people go up there and say, Hey, I finally did it. I put it out there and I got nine downloads and the whole group was like, hell yeah, go, you know, like, who cares? I, I was, you know, Chris and I recently um, celebrated a million downloads on our show. And and for perspective, thank you, yeah. For perspective, I went back and I took a picture and I said, you know, the first episode we released, the first day, 12, 12 downloads. 12, right? Now we get thousands and thousands and thousands in one day. But we had 12. I said, that was it. but That's where it started. It starts somewhere, you know. Just put it out there. Wonderful.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about your podcast itself? What's the subject matter for the most part? Um, I know you talk about people listening in, and, and how often are you publishing?
1: Yeah, so so Hacking Your Leadership is the name of the podcast. Um, we have grown uh, over the last two and a half years where now we publish four to five times a week. Um, when we first started the show, we wanted to talk about leadership. Uh, we we said, you know, 20 minutes feels about right. People driving to work, driving home, maybe on a break. We wanted to have content that was consumable, um, that was good dialogue and conversation, but we also wanted to give some little tip or trick. So we called that the one minute hack. So if you listen to an episode on Monday, it's our 20 minute episode. We'll talk about a topic and then we'll say, now here's our one minute hack. And, it's, the funny part, Roger, it's never one minute. Sometimes it's like doing a half minutes it's three minutes, but we call it the one minute hack because it's good marketing, right? Um, but but we we want to end every episode with that one thing. Here's the thing that you can go do if you want to get better at whatever the heck it is that we just talked about for the last 17 or 18 minutes. So that's every Monday's episode. Now we have Talent Tuesday. Um, Chris, my co-host, you know, has his um, his Sherm S, you know, HR whatever it is, his HR certification. So every Tuesday, he does a two- to five-minute episode specifically about talent, and that's Talent Tuesday. Wednesdays, we publish our guest series or our guest interviews. Thursday is Thoughtful Thursday. We go back and forth on just leadership thoughts, and again, three minutes to eight minutes. Um, And then Friday is something that we added this year called Pay It Forward Friday, which we are highlighting other people that are doing great work in content in regards to leadership. And we're just saying, look, this is who we're talking about. Go check this person out. Right. This is their content, this is what we appreciate about it. Here's their website, their links are all in the bio, go check them out because we also know that perspective is everything. And, and this is not about just giving leadership content to our tribe, it's our opinion. We feel strongly about our opinions like everybody should, uh, but we get it wrong sometimes, and sometimes you need a different perspective. And, uh, and a great example that we've talked about is we, we've, it, Chris and I are two guys. You know what I mean? With two guys with with kids and families. That's a really small niche of leadership perspective. And so we want to make sure that we have the voices of every element of people that are out there talking about leadership. And that's why we wanted our guest series to be about the individuals' voices and, and have, you know, every type of demographic that we can find that we can highlight. But we just really wanted to share this year and use our platform. Um, to raise others up and say, you should go check out their stuff. And and we think you'll like it because we love it. So that's kind of the format of the show now and where we are for 2020.
0: Really, really smart. And again, we'll share the link to our audience so they could check you out. And hopefully we could bring you some new listeners as well. So congratulations on the million downloads. That's fantastic. So we talked about a lot today. This has been great. I did want to just touch on LinkedIn for a moment because that's how you and I met. Mm -hmm. Um, Where do you see that platform going and how are you using? You have a tremendous audience, by the way. How are you using it to your advantage and what do you encourage others to do so they could get more involved with LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, it it is becoming quite quickly the platform to be on. Um, I think for a lot of different reasons. Um, You know, it it was always known as the here's where I go to get a job or here's where I go to have my place where recruiters might find me and maybe I'll get recruited to my dream job one day. And what's happened over time is they've done a really nice job at LinkedIn of layering in additional elements of ability to add, you know, it was first pictures, now video, now audio. Um, Now you've got these groups, now you can do live, you know, LinkedIn video. They've done a really good job of adding these ways for you to put content out there. And so now I think you've got this space where people are like, look, I go to Instagram to see all the cool pictures and, foodies and fun stuff and parties and everything like that. I go to Facebook because that's basically where my family is and my grandma is. And, you know, I can connect that way. And people use those different types of things. I've got TikTok now. I've got Snapchat. I've got Twitter. We have all these different places of engagement. And I think what's happening is, is LinkedIn is quickly becoming a place where, It's like, let's talk about positivity. Let's talk about moving people forward. Let's talk about helping one another. And yes, you're always going to have those people that are there to cause a mess, whatever. Like, you can't escape that. But I think that the control that you have in LinkedIn and, and the tribes of people that you can find, there's a ton of positive energy and it's global. And there's a ton of ways for you to share your messaging out there. And I just think that the support of the communities on LinkedIn is fantastic. And it's very easy to... Like, comment, engage, repost, reshare. I just like what they've done with the UI in LinkedIn, and uh, yeah, it's funny because um, I've got a pretty. I've been working on LinkedIn for years, and you know, for a long time, we would just share snippets of the podcast. We would share some memes out there. We would engage with people on the show. And and again, as a part of this year, we really wanted to supercharge um, the content that we were putting out. And and really, uh, that's where we built our our tribe within LinkedIn. We we were doing mail messages and and tagging and hashtagging and and tagging guests of the show and people of articles that we would read. And so that's really what we built our following. And so now we, we kind of feel that we owe it to our followers on LinkedIn to do even more this year. Um, and I'm excited for it. And, and so we've really pivoted in 2020 to put out a lot more content in a lot more different ways.
0: That's incredible. Um, and as you're talking about this, the one thing that stands out to me is it's not easy, right? There's, it <laughs> takes work. You have to put the effort in. You have to do the work. You have to get up early, stay up late, whatever it is, but you have to put the effort in. It's not going to happen by itself.
1: absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a, being a music guy, I worked with a lot of artists when I lived in LA and I would always ask them one or two questions. Like, are we making an album for you to play in your car or are we making an album that we could sell in a a record store? Those are two different approaches to doing what you want to do. If you want to pay me as a producer or as a DJ and we make an album that you can play for you and your friends, that's cool. Uh, And you can do whatever you want, however you want to do it, without any real structure or framework around what would be acceptable in the commercial outlet. Now, if you want to create an album that you want to put in Tower Records or play on the radio, there are things and structures that you have to put into place along with the marketing and promotion of letting people know that you're putting an album out. So I feel the same exact way with LinkedIn, is that if you just go on there and post every once in a while and put a cool picture or repost a, a motivational, you know, meme then cool. That's probably what you'll get back. If you go out there and you engage with your audience and you tag people and you go into their posts and, and you know, and have dialogue and conversation in the threads and like things and share things and follow people, you put that out, you'll reciprocate and they'll come back to you. And I think that's how you build the network. So I completely agree with you. It's a lot of work and it's probably honestly why we didn't do much of it <laughs> until 2020 uh, was because we kind of saw that as like, ah, we've got all this other work to do in the podcast space, let's leave that alone. And what we've realized is that we've kind of shortchanged ourselves and now we have to get it up and put that work in and engage with our audience. And, and we've now seen a lot of the fruits of that labor.
0: Where do you see yourself in three years?
1: Um, I think I see myself with another book out. Uh, I think I see myself um, having a lot more conversations with leaders and organizations uh, around building culture, uh, around um, kind of where we are right now culturally and from a society standpoint around leadership. Um, I see myself uh, putting out more content in different ways and platforms. You know, I'm going to be speaking up at the upcoming LinkedIn local event we're doing here in Orlando uh, about podcasting. Uh, and about personal branding, so like I, I see myself doing more and more of that. Um, and yeah, I, I think we've got a lot of things that we're adding to the podcast that I think are going to be really, really cool, and, uh, and and different things that I think people will appreciate. You know, I really want to, I really want to find a way to not only offer people content in how we see leadership and hacking leadership, but also steps and ways to go out there and help them become better leaders and help serve their team in a different way. So kind of that's where my head is at right now is we've got some really cool uh, theories of leadership and acronyms and things that Chris and I have come up with. And now we're looking to layer that into, and then here's what you do with it. Don't just think about it and read it, but now go do these things and this should help you down your path of being able to show up as the best version of yourself.
0: Wonderful. Lorenzo, you have great energy. You are positive. You know, um, you're an optimist. You're just, you know, you 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 seem to be in a good mood, which is, which is wonderful. And, and we've talked several times. You're, you're the same guy every time. Have you always been like that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I am a, I'm, I'm an opt, I would say I'm an optimist, but I'm a realist. You know, I, I kind of, uh, as I mentioned earlier, moving around my, my childhood every four years, you know, was quite challenging for a lot of different reasons. Um, and, and, and being the new kid and and you know growing up in the Midwest at the time when everybody worked in the uh the UAW plants and things were shutting down, there like, was a lot of hard times and I think that what I learned about that as a child and kind of growing up is your life is what you make it and it's how you see it and if you can approach everything with a certain element of optimism and and gratefulness for what you have what you're able to achieve and if you work in a place of service of others. If you really do your absolute best to help people, no matter what it is in the job that you do, and you go out of your way to give people your time and your energy, uh, then I think that that comes back completely. And so uh, that, that's really what I want to role model, not just for the people that I lead, but you know, now I've got two little girls, right? Now I owe it to them uh, to be that person in public and private all over the place because – I have now been able to have an amazing career, uh, an amazing opportunity to do something that I love with podcasting and passion because of being that way and seeing things that way. So, you know, I I think I've always been that way. And if you ask my friends and ones that I've known for decades and decades and decades that I still talk to today, um, I've always been that guy. I've always felt that like, if you put good positive energy into the world, uh, it comes back to you tenfold. Awesome. If you were
0: to take out your cell phone, and called twenty-year-old Lorenzo.
1: Mm-hmm. Who would you tell him? <laughs> um, trust your guts and don't do the nightclub thing. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, growing up as a DJ um, and in doing nightclubs and parties and radio, I enjoyed it and I did it because I loved the music. Uh, and I had a lot of friends that went the DJ route, and they have done some significant work in the music industry. I mean, some some really big, big names in the music industry that are living that life. And they are they are artists, and they are out there, and they're touring the world, and they're doing amazing things. It's cool to see them do that. Um, but I, I made a choice that that's not actually the life that I wanted to lead. I felt that I was here for something different, and I struggled with that when I walked away from it you know i really struggle with like man i've i've got all this kind of what people say is, is talent and love and passion and i just enjoy this so much like am i making the right decision to walk away from it and find other ways and outlets for creativity um, and i would just tell myself yes instead of spending those couple of years second guessing yourself and really wondering um, that was absolutely the right, the right choice. And here I am today, right? With, with, uh, with a different path, um, but, but still doing what I love to do in a, in a different way. Um, but I couldn't have all the things that I have now. I believe if I had made that choice, because I probably, who knows what would have happened to me. Those, those are very fun times. Uh, Hollywood and celebrity is, is interesting. Uh, but it can be very dark. And I think I may have, I, I probably would have darkened my optimism. So I'm very happy that I didn't do that.
0: And you look, you have a lot of life to live. You're a young, young guy. Uh, at the end of the day though, uh, when your work is done,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: 40, 50 years from now, hopefully, <laughs> what do you want your legacy to be?
1: Um, uh, the, that I was there for people when they needed me. Simple as that. You know, I, I think uh, when, when you're a leader of people, that's a part of the job, that, that you're supposed to be there. You're, you're, you're taking a career of being there when people need you. Um, so I really, uh, I, I want that just to be the commonality through life in general, um, that it wasn't about the job or the title or whatever the heck it was, but that when, when people needed me to be there for them in whatever way that was, um, that I was there, I picked up the phone, uh, I I showed my face, um, I spent the time, I did the things that they needed in the moment. Um, that for me is probably the biggest legacy. And then of course, you know, being, me being you know, a fantastic father and having the love of my family and my friends and my, and my daughters and that type of thing. But, but for me, I, I really want to live a life of service. So that, to me, would be the ultimate thing.
0: Awesome. So if people want to reach you, Lorenzo, mm-hmm. what's the best way for them to get in contact?
1: Yeah, um, email is lozo at lifeoflozo.com. Uh, hacking your leadership. Uh, you know, through the podcast hackingleadership dot com info at hackingleadership dot com. Um, but yeah, Lorenzo Flores on LinkedIn. Uh, I'd love to connect with each and every anybody who's watching this that wants to connect, wants to check out the podcast. Uh, we really pride ourselves on connecting with our listeners. Um, and a lot of our episodes are dedicated to people that have questions. We get a ton of questions uh, all the time from leaders across all industries. And so if you have questions, if you want us to talk about something, we love that. It makes our job so much easier when we get on the microphone to say, hey, listener question, listener topic, let's go. And so, uh, yeah, uh, connect any way that you can, but we'd love to talk to you.
0: Lorenzo Flores, you are an inspiration. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. And welcome to the American Real family.
1: Thank you, Roger. I appreciate it so much, man.
0: Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we can help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.